Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 172 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Uh, today's date is February 6th, 2022. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is the inimitable Jay Totoro. Wow. Good afternoon. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, I have a question for you, though, Jay. Sure. I, I didn't actually... I, I didn't purposefully save this, but I, I just now remembered also. Uh, do you want to talk about it? I mean, yes. You want to talk you about make it? Me nervous, but you want to talk about populace? Oh, I mean, listen. I have I have specifically said at the beginning. I, I would be very surprised if I didn't. Uh, what Robert's referencing is he was good. He's going to play populace as we had talked about in the last episode, and he's been playing populace. Two, was that two or one? It's populace. It's just populace. Populace. Oh, just one. So that's the very first one. Okay. Yes. Well, listen, two things. One, it's not my fault they named their series Populist 1, Populist 2, and Populist the Beginning, because that's, you know, kind of troll. But two... That's why, uh, no, that's like what you would name a prequel, is the beginning. It's like, it's like you wouldn't just release a game and call it like... Like, say you're coming out with a game for the first time, and it's Fantasy Forest. You wouldn't call the first one Fantasy Forest the Beginning. I don't know how you could tell that this one was supposed to be a prequel, I'll be honest with you. Because, like, I don't really think there's much I can of a tell story because of the, the name. I've never even seen the damn game, but I can tell from yeah, the name that I it's guess. probably a prequel. But, like, I don't know how... If you actually played the game, I'd be really surprised. I don't know. I, I haven't played Populous 1 or 2 enough to really say, but, like, it doesn't feel like there's a strong story element to it. So, anyway, Jay has been talking for years about how great Populous is. Um... And as everyone knows, if they listened to the last episode, um, was it the last one or two? Have we only done one episode this year so far? I think it was the last one, yeah. Weird. Oh, anyway, uh, so I decided for one of my games, I'm going to play Populous this year because Jay keeps telling me how great Populous is. So I turn on, I, I actually, it was already in my GOG library. I install it and launch. Oh, we didn't buy it. I launch Populous. And the screen comes up. First off, there's a tutorial. And the tutorial <laughs> yeah. doesn't even do anything. It literally just plops the game in front of you. It's like a it's like a joke, I guess. I don't know. It's like a sandbox or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, great, let's learn. And then it just goes to it and is like, all right, <laughs> play. Uh, and obviously, I don't know how to fucking play the game. That's why I was going to the tutorial anyway. So then I like so then I launch a game. I go back through the menu system and just play a normal game. I, the screen pops up in front of me. There's, so it's kind of like in one part of the screen, there's a, there's a view of a landscape, like very zoomed, kind of SimCity-esque if SimCity took place when people lived in huts and stuff and and a bit more zoomed in than that. But think SimCity, there's a, there's a hill and there's a hut on the hill and there's a little onyx by the hut. And then there's some water nearby also. And then that's one part of this. That, that seems to be from, that seems to be the main part of the screen that I'm supposed to be looking at. Then in the top left corner, there's a book. And the book is open to a page where there's a map. And then in the bottom left, there's all these gray buttons that are absolutely indiscernible. Yep. Some of them have arrows, which might be camera movement. I'm not even sure. But then like there's one with a little arrow pointing to a man. There's one with an arrow pointing to an X. There's one with an onyx where the bottom part is a down arrow. There's one where there's two swords in angle brackets. Uh, 
There's one where there's a down arrow pointing. There's actually two. Oh, okay. I see. One has a down. I think it's either a down arrow or a sword next to a helmet. And then there's another button that's the exact same thing in angle, ankle, ankle, angle brackets. And then there's some more buttons off to the side that look more kind of like menu buttons. And then there's some buttons in the top right that, that are the exact same as the ones on the bottom left, but they're in brown and gold instead of gray. And so being there, there being no tutorial, despite the fact that there's a tutorial mode, I messaged Jay and I said, what the hell is this? Can you tell me how to play this game? And Jay was like, oh no, <laughs> Populous the Beginning is the one that I like. Yep. Also, I love the, uh, the, the visual of that game because they take up like 20% or 30% of the screen with non- like useful shit it's just like bro if you just would have expanded the map so it's yeah. more dis like discernible that would have been a much better approach to it yeah and as part of, it's it's part of it is because they're they they kind of are making the the layout of the game very artistic it looks like there's some kind of tabletop that the main screen area is on and then there's this open book in the corner and everything's supposed to kind of look like you're sitting at some sort of some sort of display it seems like yeah um but that but that leaves so much space taken up by just little little aspects of the design that don't actually do anything if they had like like jay said the the actual play area takes up about 30 percent of the screen maybe no definitely no more than that right yeah i would say 20 30 percent 20 maybe even less yeah um anyway because I was told to play Populous. Oh my god, here we I'm gonna laugh when somebody who goes through all of our episodes and researches them in detail it tells you that I said at the beginning multiple oh, times. I welcome Yeah. Please. I, I do I yeah. Let us know who's right here. Somebody out there has been Jonathan, if you still listen to the to our podcast, tell us who's right. Which tells which game Jay has been talking about forever. And I even said it on the, I even said it last time. You were like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I was like, yeah, because remember I said, because you keep talking about how good it is. So I'm going to play Populous. And yeah, you, you I'll be honest with you. I just assumed you knew, to be honest with you. Like that's, that's I, I legitimately thought you knew. Okay. So. Okay. Well, at least you got to try another game. It was in your, at least you didn't buy it, right? So you tried a game that was in your library. So I helped you because you have so many games in your library that you haven't played anyways. So. I tried playing one game of it, by the way, and. So far, I'm still going to play this. I, I, I haven't, I, I've put like 20 minutes into it. Uh -huh. So I'm not going to talk about it for this episode, but I did try playing it. I, I am going to give it a, a real shot. But so far, you click on the land to raise and lower it. Yeah. And people walk around and then eventually a skeleton came over to my village and started setting buildings on fire and I lost. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I watched a bunch of videos to learn how to play it and I still didn't get it. So the game okay. is really, uh, it's great. Uh, so I'm still going to give this a legitimate try, but, but I mostly just wanted to bitch about Jade talking about the wrong game all these years. Yeah. I don't know about that. We'll see. Um, everything going good with you? Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, things are good. Good. Um, oh, oh, there is another thing real quick. I released another song. So oh, if, did you really? Yeah. Oh, did I? I guess I guess I didn't actually tell you. 
Um, so I'm going to add that like I did last time for anybody who cares. I'm just going to tack it on to the end of this episode. So if you don't want to listen to it, that's, that's fine, obviously. Uh, but if you want to hear it, just hang around after the uh, end of the episode and I'm just going to tack it on there so you can check it out. Um, and I think that's it. So, uh, JR, are you ready for a blizzard news section of, of the episode? Yep. Do you want to tell us, do you want to sure. kick it off? Yeah. We, did, we, we talked about the Microsoft acquisition. Correct? No. Oh, we that's haven't talked news. about that's, that. That is the news. Well, there's more. There, there's okay. some more stuff that came out. Why don't we so start with the big news. Microsoft acquired Blizzard for I forget, but it was like ninety billion. What was yeah, it? Yeah, sixty-four, I think. Sixty-four billion. Yeah. So Microsoft acquired Blizzard. Uh, obviously, Blizzard, with all the challenges they've had and all the controversies that have been going on, uh, it it's not surprising they were purchased by another company. A lot of people are anticipating somebody was going to do it. If it wasn't them, it was going to be Tencent or somebody was going to end up purchasing oh. uh, Blizzard. After the acquisition, yeah, no, trust me. Of all the of all the companies, Tencent is not the one that I want touching Mm-mm. any of the Blizzard IPs. Uh, but uh, Microsoft acquired them, and you know they they haven't said too much of what they're doing so far. There have been leaks and speculations that after the acquisition is settled, that uh, they will eliminate majority of the leadership team within Blizzard, uh, which includes Bob, Bobby Kotick which obviously a lot of us are very excited about. It's anticipated that he'll receive a settlement of $300 million in order to step away as the CEO of the company, which is unfortunate from what I read. Uh, well, I think that's is, like part uh, of his contract. Like that's like a severance exactly. thing. Well, who, who wrote the contract? Well, they still have to, I mean, they bought the company. They still will have to honor that. I know, but do you know who wrote the contract? Oh, I know. I don't know who wrote the, I don't know. The board of, co- the board of directors wrote it. And do you know who, do you know who oh, wrote sure. the board of directors? <laughs> well, but, but he, okay, but he was not on the board of directors when they hired him because he wasn't hired yet. No. So, so what, what I've been reading is that he, uh, so he highly influenced who was on the board of directors. He basically put people in place on the board of directors oh, okay. that he wanted there. Uh, and his contract has since been modified. And his his contract is apparently like locked down. Like there's nothing. Like basically, sure. they're gonna have probably to pay nothing. Him out. Yeah, there's nothing they can do about. It. So it's not like it's not Microsoft saying, "Oh, we're gonna pay him this much." It's like they, they have, have to, to do that if they want. They have to get no revenue. choice. Yeah, yeah, because it's based on a percentage of the revenue that he generated over the course of his time with Blizzard. Like okay. that, that's 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 what I've read so far. So okay. unfortunately, he's gonna walk away. I mean, he already has enough money to retire fifteen times over. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's he's filthy rich. Like there's just just nowhere around it. So. Uh, but apparently there are there's like 30 something names that uh, Bobby Bobby Kotek has refused to fire uh, prior to the acquisition. And it's expected that all of those names of those people are going to be terminated here uh, within the next couple months. So for yeah. me, I'm very excited about it. I want to see what Blizzard will do. Uh, and when I say Blizzard, I mean Microsoft, obviously. Uh, there is some hope. Their stock, their stock price skyrocketed after the acquisition. No surprise there. They announced that they are working on a survival game, which in my opinion, they are five fucking years way too late. I mean, survival... Survival games are very prevalent, and they have been for for a little while now. But I mean, they are in the very, very early stages. They, they don't even have a name for the project right now. So I, I think realistically, unless they you know pull a Heroes of the Storm and do like a, a garbage job of it, it's going to be years before we see anything from them on it. Um. Uh, well, I heard that, that they, it was that they've actually been working on it already for a long time. Oh, I didn't see that. I saw that it was an unnamed project and that the, the, the so from what I was reading is that they are hiring to uh, build out the team to make the game uh, because they don't have oh, enough really? developers right now to do it. Yeah, they're hiring like a lead developer, like they're hiring a lot of, of key positions that I don't know all about this. I've never developed a game, obviously, but 
from what I read, they're they're in the process of bringing on a lot of the key players they need in order to produce it. So okay, maybe I, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, but anyway, um, so before you go on, I don't know about you, but honestly, this is the for me this is kind of the best case scenario. Honestly, like Microsoft isn't bad at at handling companies, at least not like a lot of other places are, sure. and Blizzard as terrible as the company itself is right now have made a lot of great games in the past. Yep. So yeah. yeah. So uh honestly, I'm I'm kind of happy and borderline even excited about this. Yeah, me too. It's like maybe this is what they need to get their shit together and get on track and start making games without being fucking terrible people at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and also, we should clarify too. It's not just Blizzard; it's Activision as well. Uh, it was the whole acquisition. So. Oh, oh, I had forgot. Oh, that's right. I had totally yeah. forgotten about that entirely. Yeah, it's Activision too that they're buying. What was announced this week as well? I, I think right now Microsoft is trying to do everything they can to raise the stock prices by revealing a lot of the stuff that they're working on. What they announced this week is that they, in 2022, so this year, they are going to release something. That is that incorporates World of Warcraft remotely. It is somehow they're taking WoW and putting it remote. Like I don't want to say it to that extent because that's not the way it was given off. It's like there's basically going to be a portion of WoW that is mobile accessible. I think is is what what they're kind of getting at, which makes me think they're basically going to take Diablo Immortal. If you haven't seen Diablo Immortal, definitely YouTube take a look at it. Uh, I think it's going to be that type of gameplay, if I had to guess, and maybe in a much more restricted. Not so much open world setting. Okay. So, uh, really concerned about that personally because uh, what that means to me is I, I I feel like Microsoft is going to take Blizzard and turn them into a machine that only does mobile games. We all know that they're working on Diablo Immortals, uh, and now they're working on WoW Mobile, which realistically for the Chinese market that's completely understandable. But WoW is. I don't. What do you mean? Be, I don't think they're going to just. It's it's Microsoft. They want stuff that people are going to play on on PCs and Windows and stuff. We'll see. I I just I am very curious. I mean, the fact that they announced that uh, at Wall Diablo Immortal. I mean, Diablo Immortals is like their most anticipated IP right now. Like that is the biggest that that is being hyped more than the next instance of Diablo. Sure. Like that is like there's so much excitement about that from the mobile community. Mobile gaming is unfortunately way too big. Like it's so disappointing. But. Well, I mean, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure they're gonna dip into it, but I, I, I highly doubt that's all they're gonna do. That would be. I, I hope. I, I hope you're right. I really do. Insane. I'm just. I'm just thinking from a revenue perspective, like what they're gonna. They need. They they want to raise the stock prices, right? They need to justify the purchasing of Activision and Blizzard. So I think they're gonna do as much as they can to generate easy revenue. When I say easy, you know, obviously that's a very specific. Uh, it's kind of a loaded term, but. What I mean by that is, you know, fixing World of Warcraft is going to take a lot of time and a lot of investment and, you know, understanding the business and all that fun stuff. Whereas, like, mobile games, in my opinion, are a much easier pursuit. So. Yes, they're easier than MMOs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's very true. I mean, there are very few MMOs in the market today that are, quote unquote, successful. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I agree with you. I am excited. Uh, I am also nervous. I mean, at the, at the same time, like it can't, my, my thought is like it can't get worse, right? Like wow, retail wow. I, I heard yeah. somebody say it per, elo- very eloquently today, which is anybody who plays retail wow today doesn't enjoy it. They just do it. Like that is the <laughs> most accurate depiction of what I, in my opinion, what retail wow is like. So I mean, if they tr- if they swing for the fences and try something new, 
I'm here for it. I'll support it. I'll give it a shot, especially once they fire Bobby. I mean, as soon as Bobby gets fired, then we can, you know, then we can actually just, we can talk about it. But until then, it's just, you know, all speculation. Sure. But we'll see. I hope they do. Uh, I just learned that there's a town in Alabama called Intercourse. Classic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so... if, if, anyway, sorry. <laughs> do, do, do you I was want say, to if anywhere in the country, it would be Alabama. But <laughs> do you want to, was there something else you were going to say? Something else no. that happened? That was it. That was everything. Okay. So that's the news. There's your Blizzard update for this episode, everybody. Yeah, much more positive. I mean, much more positive. Actually, this could be a good, very, very good thing. Obviously, Definitely we'll see what be. happens, but this if if you put like a menu in front of me and you're and it was like these are the things that can happen to Blizzard, this would probably be my go-to. Honestly, I can't think of a better thing besides like maybe just them disappearing, disappearing. at this point. Yep. But even that, even then, that this is this is probably better. My, my hope was a company was going to buy. Uh, WoW specifically as an IP, but the problem is like you can't because of the way Blizzard has incorporated their characters and lore throughout their entire throughout all their IPs. You really can't parse it, right? Like it has it's all or nothing. So I'm yeah, gonna, that's I true. Mean, and they wouldn't. There's no way they would ever sell that. I mean, as as much as it may be dying, it still makes them a shitload of money. Sure, that would be yeah. I think it's fair. Stupid. Well, my my thought was like because of how low their stock price was getting that there might be an opportunity for it but i i, I don't think they can you can buy no, a it's not, IP from Blizzard. yeah the, i mean so, that doesn't that's not going to affect the price of buying a property i mean if anything you just buy stock and try to like take over sure. you could do like a hostile takeover or something like that yeah so yeah if any company was going to do it though i mean microsoft's probably the best one apparently there were a couple other people who were interested but I, I was very surprised that Tencent didn't just push all the, their weight behind it to try and make it happen. Yeah, that is kind of yeah, that is interesting. But yeah, I'm very glad it didn't happen. Me too. I, I have a feeling it's because they're putting all their money behind Riot with their MMO, uh, and that's that's kind of where they're they're. Putting oh, is all Riot making started. an MMO? Riot's making an MMO. They're making a fighting game uh, and something else. And apparently, the fighting game is really good from the first views that people have had of it. Wow. So. Okay. Oh, I mean, look at all the products they've made. I mean, in all seriousness, so like Riot is, you know, they have some question marks about them as well. But I mean, they have an incredible MOBA. They have um, and they have the best auto chess auto battler on the market there. They had a TV show that launched this year that was incredible. Like every product they put out is quality. Cool. So. All right. So there's our news. That's all we got is our blizzard yep. is our blizzard news. Um, how many games do you have? You think I you have... said you only have like one or two, right? One or two. No, I have a. I actually have. I, I would say like I have. I have four smaller games. One of them is okay. kind of a repeat. Um, they're, they're one of them's or two of them are pretty small. They're kind of paired together, and then the other two are pretty small as well. So okay, cool. Why don't we do the thing? Like I liked your idea last time where we kind of went back and forth. Ping pong. Yeah, ping sure. pong. So we're gonna ping pong each other. Oh, please don't say that. <laughs> uh, I'll kick us off if you want. Yeah, please ping pong me first. Stop it. Uh, so for uh, this episode, of, uh, sorry, for this episode of the podcast, I played a different game, but I'm going to talk about that in a little bit here. Uh, I ended up playing, so Robert, Robert and I Wait, played that mean? a couple of different as opposed to playing a game you've already played? Uh, no, I played a game that I was going to talk about. Uh, there's, there's a game that like, I specifically played for this episode, and then I played a couple games in addition to it just okay. because, yeah. Uh, and I'll kind of talk about that when I talk, talk about that game specifically. All right. So... Uh, I played some other some other games. My brother and I were talking about trying to play a couple of old school ARPGs 
uh, that were around like the PlayStation 2 slash GameCube era. And so I ended up trying to get him to work on my machine, and I got him working. So I ended up playing uh, Champions of Norath and Baldur's Gate 2 Dark Alliance. Uh, and I want to be very specific here, because a lot of people, when they hear Baldur's Gate, they think of the CRPGs. There was, I don't know if it was like a, a mini-series or if it was like a separate series, but there were a couple of ARPGs that they made, which was called like Baldur's Gate. I think it was called, I want to say they were both called Dark Alliance, but... Um, I ended up playing the second one, which is the one that I actually played as a kid. And I also played Champions of Norath as a kid a little bit, but I played Baldur's Gate a lot more. Okay. So uh, these are kind of top-down ARPGs. These are very simplistic games. Well, I should say Champions of Norath is a very simplistic game. You basically... Wait, you know, hey, sorry, real a... quick. I just want to clarify. ARPGs. So these are action RPGs. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Champions of Norath, you have a selection of like six or seven different characters. You know, you have your stereotypical like barbarian and cleric and ranger and then you have like a couple other a couple other classes as well. Uh, and the game is is uh, it has some interesting elements to it, but it starts off just like it feels like a a, a not complete thought. So like the game okay. starts and the story is very simplistic. You know, like we're under attack. You know, go out and start killing goblins. Of course, like the first things that you fight are goblins. So you pick your character. You design it with the three options that you have. Um, I picked the second time I did it or I played, I picked a barbarian because usually for the, the this game is like it, it is one of those games where it's very difficult at the beginning and then it kind of levels off over time. Uh, not greatly, but it gets easier. And usually barbarian type classes are some of the easiest because they generally stack a damage stat and then also they stack health and then they're melee swinging. And in this game, the controls for when you're using like ranged abilities are not great. Uh, you basically have to like when you shoot uh, when you shoot your your ranged weapon, the aiming ability is really challenging. it's It's hard to actually know where you're gonna fire before you actually shoot. There is a talent you can get later that gives you like a reticle that helps you to identify where you're gonna shoot. but it's even still not great. And then if you are like running away, if you're trying to like kite something, it's very difficult to do it because you have to essentially run away and then you have to turn around and then fire an arrow and aim it in time before they get to you. Yeah. And the character, when you are trying to aim while you are stationary, moves very slowly. So it's uh, like playing like a ranger or a mage was was rough. Uh, I tried okay. playing a mage initially, and then for my barbarian, I ended up getting a bow and trying it out. But realistically, uh, I think the most enjoyable part of this game was using a one-hander and a shield. There is a blocking mechanic. So you basically hold down the block button, they swing, and then you swing, and you can do damage back and forth in that regard. You have to be facing them, which is kind of interesting. So if there's multiple mobs on you, usually you can't block multiple mobs at once. You have to kind of run away, funnel them into a tight corridor, and then just kind of chop them through. The other thing is the mobs don't have a consistent attack pattern. They will do something like a attack once or like attack three or four times. So it, it has a lot of variance to it. So you can't like try to time your block all the time. Sometimes you'll like release your block because you anticipate they're only going to do like a single or, or a, a duo hit. And then you still get hit. And and oh. you get hit in this game, you get dazed or like knocked back a little bit. And if you get hit by multiple mobs, you can absolutely get stun locked to death. And that happened to me multiple oh, times. I hate that. It's such a dumbass mechanic. Like it's so frustrating. It's it's I'm doing really well, I'm funneling things in, and then I get cornered and I just get bullied beat down and beat to death. And when you die in this game, that's it. You're dead. You're gone. Goodbye. Good luck. Uh, if you didn't save, you're just dead. And there's not a ton of save points. There's a, a decent amount, but it's kind of ridiculous. You you have like three primary meters, which is like your health. You have your magic or your mana, which both regen over time. There are talents that amplify the regeneration rate. And then you have an experience bar. 
Now, why I wonder play this game so much, I am an, a talent tree addict. I love anything to do with talent trees. If you tell me about a game and you start by saying it has a talent tree, you'll have my attention. I, can do you I don't one know better. what it is. I can do you one better. It's got a talent what? tree in the shape of a circle. You talking about like a sphere grid? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm on board. I mean, if you show me like, like that's what I love about playing. What, every time I play PoE, Path of Exile, I get really excited and then I fall off like two minutes into it. But uh, <laughs> I love like massive talent trees. I love like building, you know, crafting builds. and Yeah, because you get stuff. to like customize your character. Yep. You get to build your, yeah, exactly. You get to build your class, which I find to be really, really interesting. Um, so this game has talent trees. They are pretty basic. I mean, it's like the first talents are like, Percent damage increase, health regen, health, and then you start getting some abilities. I didn't play Champions of Earth very long. I probably played like two hours because it was just really like basic and there wasn't much depth to it. Yeah. And it was one of those games where I didn't feel like they played it enough to balance it. The first dungeon I got to, it was just incredible how stupidly hard it was. I ran <laughs> really? out of potions. What were we going to say? I, I, I just said really. Oh, yeah. I ran out of potions in the first room. <laughs> Of the dungeon. And Dude, so, maybe like, you I didn't like, oh. fill out your talent tree the right way then. I only had one talent at this point. <laughs> you should have gotten more. So, I, like, it was just so frustrating. So I, I was like, okay, maybe I need to be more conservative with my potions. And then I would like funnel things into a room. And then I fought a mage, like a, a caster type mob, which raised mobs, which I couldn't kill the mobs fast enough before he'd resurrect them. And then he dropped a blizzard on top of me, which slowed me, which enabled me to get hit. <laughs> and when you get hit, you get dazed or stunned. So then I just died. And I was like, okay. This game is not very good. So I stopped playing Champions of Norath and I went over to Baldur's Gate. So real Baldur's quick, Gate... I pulled up a video of this to see and like, and so you described it as very basic and that yeah. is 100% what this game looks like. It's just running around a very, uh, just like stereotypical looking dungeon, nothing remarkable about it and just swinging your sword at bad guys. Yeah, that that that's like I'm glad I'm glad you looked it up because that's exactly how I felt playing through it. And, and you know, this style of game at this time, by the way, I want to be you know a little kind here. It, this was the time when these games started to become prevalent. So like I get that this was kind of early stages of it, but damn, was it rough. You know what it reminds me of? It reminded me of playing the used map settings in StarCraft. You know, like when somebody makes a map, that's what it felt like. It felt like, like somebody. Yeah, like they made a custom map and they're like, well, I want to make an RPG and here's the six oh, most right. cliche yeah, yeah. characters. They, they, like, you drop into a world and there's goblins and you're fighting and you get gold and you buy yeah. stuff. And it's like, you know, it's just really predictable and, and just kind of streamlined. So, yeah. Uh, James North was not a great revisit. Uh, definitely not balanced well. Overall, the game was just whatever. Baldur's Gate. Uh, so I played a decent amount of Baldur's Gate and it is a, it is a much better uh ver- style of this game it's the same same exact game like if you played both of them back to back you'd be like this feels like the same game in a lot of ways it is i mean it's it's an arpg this is that Baldur's came out gate around. dark alliance Baldur's gate 2 dark alliance yeah because i actually played both one and two um is it maybe more... oh god dark alliance 2 is yeah it, yeah the, that's, the that's, two comes that's after one. okay okay yeah gotcha so uh it, it is a a much better installment of this type of game. There, a lot of the mechanics are much more refined. You can't just like hold down your block button; it will fall off after a second. So you have to like time your blocks a little bit more. The characters that are not barbarians feel much stronger and much more consistent. The talents are much more interesting. Uh, the talents you choose, uh, generally speaking, will give you abilities, which uh, for a mage, obviously 
getting like mana regen as a mage is not exciting, right? It, it doesn't really feel like when you get like plus five mana regen or plus five max mana, you're like, great, like I'm gonna last another three seconds and fight. <laughs> Whereas if you get like some sort of like freezing mechanic or an AOE or you know something that is actually gonna enable your character to do more, it's much more exciting. Even like the barbarian type classes, they get some pretty cool talents that allow them to stay alive longer. They even have like a charge ability that allows them to uh, go in going in combat much quicker. Like. It the the talents and the character creation. I, I will say for the one I was playing, because apparently there's like DLC for it. There's only three characters at the beginning. It's like a barbarian. Um, oh, that was the first one. Sorry, the second one had a lot more characters. The first one only okay. had uh, three characters to choose from. Dark Alliance Two, I think, had like five or six. There was like a necromancer, which is one of the characters I played, um, and then kind of your stereotypical stuff. There was like a dwarf rogue and like a priest and a barbarian or a cleric rather. Uh, and the characters had much more unique aspects to it. Obviously, a necromancer is really interesting. You know, a lot of people like to play necromancer type classes, especially when you're soloing these types of games in ARPGs. Being a necromancer is pretty great just because, you know, you can summon creatures and they can tank for you and you can interact with the map a lot more. Uh, and the game, the actual mechanics of the game felt a lot cleaner. You could also jump in this game, which I was really surprised. I, I don't know why, but I never thought you'd be able to jump in one of these games. Uh, and it didn't necessarily like, break it or anything like that. It just was, was kind of interesting. So um, playing through this a decent amount more, still enjoying it. The one thing that's really cool about this is the co-op feels a lot better in Baldur's Gate than it uh, than it looked for Champions of Norath. Uh, Champions of Norath, it looked like... I didn't play multiplayer Champions of Norath. I did play Baldur's Gate uh, multiplayer. But for Champions of Norath, it, when I was watching videos of people, it looked like it was really easy to... Uh, get in situations where your your partner would be would be blocking your path when you're trying to do things and would end up getting you killed. Because again, when you get hit once, you get hit multiple times because you're getting stunned. <laughs> so it's very easy when you're trying to like move together to get in each other's way, especially if one of you is ranged and one of you is melee. So, uh, but Baldur's Gate Two Dark Alliance is, is very fun. It is uh, it hits that itch really really well. Um, so far, it's been pretty good. I really enjoy the character I'm playing so far. I'm building like a, a drain tank. So I have like an AOE, or not an AOE, sorry. It's single target uh, drain health mechanic. So I'm just like stacking health and regen and uh, drain life and just walking around. And every time I fight a mob, I just stand there and drain tank it and just kill it over time. And I just don't die. Oh, cool. So you're really like, it's like a kind of like a vampire effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's vampiric. And then I, I'm a necromancer. So I have summons that I can pull out of the ground as well. Oh, the summons, sweet. The summons work well. They don't get in your way. You can walk through them. The only thing that sucks is you can't tell if it's your summon or a bad guy. And there's no friendly fire, but like I'll swing at my skeletons quite often because I think they're bad guys. Okay. So so this one's better. This is a PS2 also, right? You said? Uh, Baller's Gate. I think it's for PS2 and GameCube. I think I'm playing it on uh, GameCube. Let me double check. <laughs> okay. So I, I've, been playing, I, I've been playing a lot of games on both of them. Uh, let's see. Uh, PlayStation 2, Xbox, GameCube, Game Boy Advance, Xbox One, PS4, Band, Nintendo so Switch. Oh, it's on Nintendo Switch. Probably, well, obviously port, but... That might have to happen. But uh, the second one, <laughs> I don't think has gotten a re-release. Uh, it is only for, I think, maybe PS2? Let me see. Uh, one of them is on Steam, but by the way, these game, this game is $30 on Steam, which seems so egregious. PlayStation 2 and Xbox for the second one. $30 so seems like a lot, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what the comments said. People was like, yeah, it's good, it's fun, like it crashes, but $30, question mark? I'm like, right. yeah, dude, like $10, $15, maybe. I'm going to see if it goes on sale at some point, but so I was even trying to find it on G2A, and it's still like $30. 
What does this one do better? It's just like more, just like more cleaner, and the difficulties is more reasonable. Difficulty is more reasonable. The characters are much more interesting. The mechanics of the bad guys are better. There's new heroes. There's new equipment. It's just like they. It's just like a later patch of the first one. It, it really is. It's just like a, a an improved version. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah, it's been very fun. Apparently, you can play it online with other people too, even if you don't use Steam. But it's not great. Um, so I'm probably gonna play. It. My brother just went back to Texas uh, for a couple months. So. I'm probably going to play with him with here in the next couple weeks. Oh, cool. So you're going to keep playing. So this is good enough to keep on playing. It's not just, you didn't just, so that was going to be my next question actually is like, so you revisited this and it was pretty good. Is it, is it is like, you know, pretty good keeping in mind that you used to play it a long time ago and it holds up fine, but you're probably not going to go back to it. Or would you recommend people play this if they're in the mood for an ARPG? It sounds like you actually would recommend it. Uh, to some extent. I mean, a lot of people say like, uh, like the reviews I was reading to people were like, well, you know, if you, if you want to play a good ARPG, play Diablo, play uh, PoE. And I'm like, I get that. Like, sure. But if you want to play like one of these old school, like, especially since this is like couch co-op, same screen. It's pretty cool because I have my mini PC set up in our living room now, so it's it's a really easy game to just sit down and play with other people. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get more emulation st- stuff set up on the mini PC. Sweet. Okay, yeah, that's the first game. So that was uh, the first one was Champions of Norath. Champions of Norath and Baldur's Gate Two. Dark Baldur's Gate Two Dark. Okay, awesome. My first one that I'll talk about is I'm going to go, we're going to go in chronological order today Ooh. for me. Um, I got it. I was in the, well, I wasn't say I was in the mood. You know what? We're not going to go in chronological order. I, I, I take that back. Wow, you just lied to us. I Don't played, <laughs> I played Donkey Kong country. Oh, you probably remember me talking a lot about how I never really understood. Yep. You know, why people, like it so much i just have never been a fan i i, I kind of i got sucked into the hype back in the day and bought it even though like it just didn't seem like something i would love and i played it and i just kind of felt the same way still um i, I didn't really you know i thought it was fine it wasn't bad but it was i didn't think it did anything special so i decided to give it another another shot this came out in 1994 for uh, super nintendo of course and i came away feeling the exact same about it i think really? it's just i think it's just I mean, my only assumption is that it's just not for me. I mean, obviously it's not, but maybe it's just the aesthetics or something that that just don't grab me. I don't know, because like the gameplay is fine. It's a platformer. It's a well, it's a two D platformer, side scrolling platformer. The graphics are not strictly two D. It's kind of like that, you know, that Super Nintendo ish. Well, the 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 three D ish graphics that people were making on super Nintendo every now and then, like you also find that in super Mario RPG, uh, and other games like that. Um, but every, but gameplay wise, it's, it's 2d side scroller and it, you're, you're donkey Kong and you're going around just bopping on, jumping on bad guys heads and, you know, getting through the typical type of platforming obstacles. There is a good variety. Uh, there, there, it's all throughout the game in a lot of different ways. Like there are plenty of different environments. There's, well, I say that there's, it's all very nature and jungle themed, but with, within that set, they do a fairly good job of, of switching it up. Like there's the minecart level, there's regular jungle areas, there's water areas, there's like snow areas. There's kind of a temple ruins area. And 
there is uh there's also good variety in the actual gameplay there's there are sections where there are these barrels that float around and you jump into one and it shoots you out and some of the bar- some of the barrels as soon as you ju- as as soon as you jump into them they automatically shoot you out and some of them you have to time it yourself for when you want to be shot out and of course whichever direction the barrel is pointing that's the way it shoots you out and there are some levels where there are you know five or six or seven barrels in a row some of them moving around and so you have to jump into one and then you're sitting in it and then you have to time it just right when you're going to have it shoot it out to to land into the next one and you got to get you know all the way across and some of them it's like you got to time it just right because it's one of the ones that'll shoot you out automatically so you have to time when you're going to jump it and then and then also keeping in mind that you're also you're going to immediately get shot out of that one as soon as you get into it. So that's pretty cool and you know of course if you miss one of the barrels then you fall into a pit and die. There's the minecart level that I was talking about where you're on a minecart you have to time your jumps to get over obstacles and and catch level. Yeah, and catch you know like uh bananas and things like that. Bananas are like the coins basically in this game. Um there are, you know, m- plenty of levels with moving platforms and stuff. There are ones with ropes. And even the ropes get tricky. Like, there are ones with ropes that kind of move. And you have to go up and down and dodge stuff. And then there are some ropes, even on some levels, where you where as soon as you grab them, you just go, you slide straight up or down it without, like, doing anything. So you have to keep that in mind. Uh, there are creatures that you get on some levels that you get to ride on. Like a rhino... I think there, there's like an ostrich, isn't there? Is that one of them? Yeah, ostrich, rhino. There's the frog. Uh, there's the swordfish. Yeah, swordfish and the underwater. Yeah, even the underwater levels, like they can. The underwater levels, I got to say, are probably some of the better underwater levels I've Love played. Love the music in them too. The, yeah, the music. music is really good, and it doesn't control like crap. You know, it actually controls pretty well. Like they weren't. Yeah. yeah. They were not a pain to play like they often are. Frustrating. Yeah, in games like yeah, yeah, exactly in games like this. Uh, but all that being said, I just wasn't like I just wasn't feeling it. <laughs> I just didn't enjoy playing it. I I think it's as I said, part partly probably like jungle themed stuff generally doesn't really appeal to me. I just don't find that interesting. Um. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Like the graphics are fine. The platform, you know, another thing is platformers in general don't do a lot for me. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I just get a little bit bored by them. So that's, I guess, probably the bigger, the bigger aspect of it. Um, Jumping around and like just jumping, uh, you know, timing jumps and making sure you're jumping and landing on things correctly and jumping on top of bad guys. For me, it just, in a lot of cases, it doesn't win me over. I mean, the Mario, a lot of the Mario games do that extremely well, and so I, so I do like them. It's not like I just don't like any platformer. Like some of the ones that do it really well, I really like. As a, I mentioned a long time ago, I think Rayman Legends is one of my favorite games ever, and that's a platformer. But that just that game blew me away mostly because of the art and the music. Um, this one didn't have a setting and an art style that I really loved. So that, so, you know, it just didn't have that. A lot of the Mario games, I do like the art and all that. And, and they're also, and they, and they also have the gameplay to back it up. So that's why I think, you know, play, I, I do like most of them. Uh, this one just, just wasn't, wasn't that it just wasn't what, what pulls me in. 
Um, I didn't play all the way through. I thought I was like, I actually got pretty far in. Um, I was kind of just bored over one weekend and didn't really feel like figuring out something to play. And I was hanging out up front, uh, in the front of the house with my daughter, where our, uh, where the switch is and all that. And I just was like, I guess I'll just try this and play it for a while. And I got pretty far, but then I realized, and I actually thought I was at the end of the game. So I was like trying to push on through. Then I realized after I got through this one stage that there was still more to go. And then at that point, I just kind of threw in the towel. Uh, just realized that it really just isn't for me. So game is fine if you like that kind of stuff. But I, obviously, in my case, if you if it's not something that you think looks or sounds like it'll be fun, it's probably not going to it's probably not going to win you over. Gotcha. I, I, I've always really enjoyed these games. Like I don't think they're the best games ever made, and I'm not a huge platformer person, but I always really enjoyed Donkey Kong. They're very fast-paced. There's a nice variety to it. The music's great. I like the visuals, too. I think the visuals okay, are good. great. Yeah, see, that's, so. that's a, that, that's, I think that's probably a big part of it. Part of why I don't. I like the, like the clay style. Of stuff. Like It almost feels like some of the stuff's made out of clay. Like, like the first boss, the B-boss. He just looks like he's made out of clay in my mind. Yeah, they do. They yeah, clay clay is a very good way, and that makes me think of Clay Fighter, which is also the same yeah. kind of kind of graphical style. Um, yeah, that's a good way of explaining. It. They do kind of look like clay figures, uh, like claymation type stuff. Cool. In a way. Uh, so then I went and played another platformer. Wow! <laughs> don't ask me why. I guess I'm just a fucking idiot. I don't really, I really don't know why. But after this. The next weekend, I decided, let's play Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow. This came out for Sega Genesis in 1991, which, by the way, sh- <laughs> my daughter and I got sucked down a rabbit hole of looking up the fan art uh, Sonic oh, no. wiki, like where people come up with their own characters, you know, like Blake the Hedgehog, for instance, that we were looking at in like the first year of the podcast and laughing our asses off about. I, I said, Catherine... You know, there's there's a whole uh, thing, there's a whole like fandom of people who make their own Sonic the Hedgehog characters, and we were reading some of them, and uh, it was uh, it was exactly what you remember, uh, just absolute. You know, like he dis he dislikes rude people, but you know he's also a little bit withdrawn. <laughs> like he's nice, but he he keeps to himself and he's shy around others. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking for is cringe Robert <laughs> it was very cringy and they all have like their stats and stuff it was uh it was awesome but back to the game I played the original Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis and I actually kind of enjoyed this one um what? yeah I don't know I don't know I I think the 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 reason is that again visually and artistically it did a lot more for me it's very bright and colorful. The graphics are great. The The levels are, are like, the, the, the themes of the levels are really cool. It's, there's, everything's kind of just, like, very bright and colorful. Even, like, the darker levels have a lot of cool neon lights and things like that. And I guess I'm just, like, a little kid who just likes bright things. But something about the, the look of the game... Uh, really drew me in a lot more than Donkey Kong Country. And I think that went a long way because, again, the 
just you know, just like Donkey Kong Country, this one does have good platforming and it does have good level variety as well. And also another cool thing is that the uh, the levels there are many. There are like typically a lot of different ways to get through a single level. Like more so in probably in, in any other pla- more so than in any other platformer I can think of. You know, you can, there's always different routes you can take. You can kind of go like to the bottom of the level and go along there or, and usually there's like a middle and an upper section as well. Not, not every level, but a lot of them have several different ways. And it's easy to kind of like jump on platforms and get up and go and, and change course and get on a different section and go that way. If you want, if you know, if, if, if you want to, it's just kind of whichever way you want to go, just go for it. And it's got like fun things that are there for no other reason than just to be fun. Like the, like the loops that he'll run through sometimes, you know, Oh, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't do anything, but it just gives you a cool thing to watch him run fast and run through a loop Gotta and, go pick, fast. and pick up coins. Um, which we talked about this. I remember talking about this with Blake a long time ago when he played Sonic the Hedgehog for the podcast. Um, one of the one of the things about it that does not work is the is the idea that you're playing this character that's super fast because. Most, well, a lot of the time you, you can't really just run fast because you're going to just run into a bad guy that was off screen or fall, or fall into something. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you have to go very slow and methodically to make sure you don't hit something. I mean, literally, sometimes there are just spike walls that you'll run into if you're not paying attention. Um, that being said, there are plenty of times where you can and, and, and have to go fast. There's a little springboards that'll... That when you hit them, it makes you start running super fast instantly. Um, so they make that work to some extent, but a lot of the time you you, you can't just run. Because, you know, for for the same reason you can't just run in, in any platformer. Um, it's got bo- it's got like a it's got a bonus level that you get sometimes at the end of levels where you bounce around and get rings. I like I kind of like the ring system too, where so I do too. Yeah. If you haven't played Sonic, rings are like, you know, coins in Mario or where, whatever it is. You try to get a bunch, and, and I believe if you get 100, then then you get an... If you finish the level with 100, then you get uh, an extra life or something like that. But when you get hit, it's kind of... It, it ties into your HP system as well. So you don't really have HP. The way it works is if you get hit and you don't have any rings on you, then you die. But if you do have rings then every ring you have explodes out of you and goes flying all over the place. And you have a, like just a few seconds to run around and try to pick up as many as you can. And so it gives you this incentive to, to get you know at least one of those rings back whenever you get hit. Because you know that if you get hit again and you don't have any rings, then you're going to die. But as long as you have at least one ring, then you're, then you're always going to have a second chance. So it's it's a neat little system. No no other platformer does anything like that. So I just thought that was kind of it, it's different and it's neat. Um, the bosses, it's always uh, Eggman that you're fighting, or Doctor Robotnik. That, like he, he it's it's like Bowser and King Koopa. He's got two names, but it's the same person. Uh, he's always in some sort of contraption, like this little flying around thing. And usually there's just different things in the environment that are happening that, that make it different. Like there's one, like the very first time you see him, he's just pretty much just flying around and he, I forgot even what his attack is in the first level, but he's trying to attack you with something. 
and uh, you just jump around and bounce on him until you've hit him enough times and he explodes and flies off. And then in one of the levels, he's in the exact same thing, but there are the ground under you. He, he goes and like picks it up and removes it and you have to hit him while he does that. So as the fight goes on more and more, there are fewer areas, there are fewer spots on the ground that you can actually stand on without falling and dying. So some of them get kind of tricky, nothing too bad really. But it's funny because the final boss is is extremely easy. Easier than, the only boss that's easier than the final boss is the first boss. Uh, in that one, he's just kind of in these little pipe things that, that come up and down and you just got to make sure you don't get hit by them. And when they do come out of the ground or the ceiling, whichever one he's in, you got to jump into it and hit it and that damages him. And then in between there are these little laser ball things that you just have to dodge that are very, very easy to dodge. So it was weird because some of the fights were actually pretty challenging. And then when you get to the very last level, that last boss is extremely easy in comparison. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was actually pretty good. I played through the whole thing. Didn't take too long. I mean, if I didn't have save states, I was playing on this on the Sega Genesis Mini. If I didn't have save states, it would have been definitely a bit tougher because some of the later levels do get really hard, especially... I know you knew, you knew we were going to have to talk about this, the water level. Um, oh, God. That, that one gets pretty tough. Uh, there are some spots on it where, even without drowning, uh, there are just really hard areas to get through. There are these spike balls on some sections that spin around. And there, I remember this one section specifically where there are multiple spike balls and you're trying to jump up these steps that are underwater so your movement is slow. And they kept hitting me and knocking me back down. Uh, and then it was hard to get any of my rings back because you fall down so far that the rings have kind of gone elsewhere. Uh, so some of the levels do get really tough. Um, but yeah, regard, I was able to play through it with save states and, and beat the game. And overall, I thought it was really good. Um, but yes, the water level, the, the other, the last famous thing about Sonic that we have to mention is the music when you start to drown. So as you're playing through the uh, water stages, which is pretty much just every... Every uh, stage of the game is split into three sections. They call them three acts. So, and they and, and it's like, and everything kind of looks the general same, but it's just three levels of, you know, the underwater level or three levels of the kind of futuristic looking world or three levels of the general, the, the first, the Spring Hill Zone. Is that what it's called? That's world one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so every world has three levels that you go through. And then so for the water level, you're going through water, but you have to get air every now and then or else Sonic will drown. And you get air, air either by getting out of the water, if, if there is a spot where you, can, where you can jump out, or there are these little sections, there are these little parts where bubbles bubble up. But what you have to do for the bubbles is stand there and wait for a giant bubble to come out. And it's, it's not, it's, it's semi-random, when the giant bubble comes out, sometimes you'll wait for five or 10 or 15 seconds for one to come out. And sometimes it'll just come out, you know, after just a couple of seconds. So you got to stand there and wait and just hope that a giant bubble comes out before you drown. And then if a bubble comes out, then you jump and get it. And he is able to like catch air from that. And then it starts over. It starts the counter over on how long you have to, to be underwater. But when it starts getting, when it start when you start getting low on air, <laughs> You know, I should just pull it up for anybody who hasn't heard this. Um, oh, wait, you know, I don't think I can do it on my computer. Um, for anybody who hasn't heard it, 
it's the most nerve. Ra- I know we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's the most nerve wracking music ever in a video game. We, I think that's safe to say, right, Jay? Oh, without question. Well, I would say it's either that or the music from Teenage Ninja Turtles 1 when you're in the water. But yeah, that is the fucking, that thing is the thing of nightmares. I got my daughter to listen to it. I was like, Catherine, you want to hear this music from, uh, <laughs> that happens. I, was, I said, this is the most nerve wracking music you'll ever hear. And she was like, yeah, it, that, that definitely is. Um, <laughs> it just, it just, so when you're, how would you describe it? It kind of just goes like dun 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 faster and faster and louder. And it interrupts like the the standard music for the level too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faster and faster until you drown. It starts off pretty slow actually, just dun 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 and then it speeds up as you get more and more out of breath and then when it when it finally runs out if you haven't caught if you haven't gotten any air any in a way it does this little like whoop. Yeah, and then it just shows Sonic drowning. <laughs> he just kind of floats, floats down, and floats off screen. Uh, they like it's amazing how effective they made that music, isn't it? Like, I, oh, I it wonder. Really is. I wonder if they had if that's one of the things where they had any idea how good of a like how how big that was going to be, or how good of a job they were doing at that, or if they, it was more just like, oh hey, I got some drowning music. All right, let's run with it. Yeah, I actually got more of the same thing. Like these guys are just like, ah, we'll just totally fuck with people a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, that's Sonic the Hedgehog. It's it. It was. It turned out to. I liked it a lot better. You know, I, of course, I played it when I was little, just like everybody did, and I liked it fine back then. I was surprised that I still thought it was pretty good, especially again as we were talking about. I'm, I'm usually, I'm g- generally not very big on platformers. Sure. All right, I'll save mine. Why don't we go back to yours? I'll save my last one once we go back to you. We're gonna. I'm gonna ping pong sure. you now. Watch your language. Um. <laughs> The other game I played, so uh, this is the other game I played, and if, if we had done our recording on Thursday or whatever it was for the week, I was just going to talk about this game and then um, just move on. But thankfully, since we postponed doing the podcast, I was able to play Chambers of Norath and Baldur's Gate, which was actually pretty great. Uh, so what I ended up playing originally was Ark the Lad, um, and this is a tactical role-playing game that came out in, two, uh, excuse me, in 1995. Uh, was the first release for this game. And it came out for the play. I believe this came out really early in the PlayStation cycle. Cause I, I feel like 95 is really early for PlayStation. Right? Sorry. Somehow I, I, I yawned as I was, I, I couldn't hear the name of the game. As you said, what oh, was it was Ark the lad. Oh, 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 oh Ark the lad. Okay. I've, yeah. I've heard of this. Yeah. And so I, I saw some people talking about this. I was watching somebody who's streaming. I was talking about it and how they really enjoyed it. This is PS1. PS1, yeah, which I, 1985 just, I guess that in my mind, it, I incorrectly feel like 1995 is so early for the PlayStation, but um, <laughs> no. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I saw people talk about this game, hyping it up. You know, obviously people make references to tactics when they talk about this game, so you got to give it a shot. Got to give it a shot. Uh, I spent about two and a half hours playing this game and stopped really hard. At, and two and a half wow. hours was, was pushing it. I did not like this game. Um, this is a very, like, another kind of ter- the term we use for the other games, but very basic um, RPG. The, the story that starts, it's extremely front loaded with, with a prologue or with, with a, like a setup of information. Like there's just so much story that they provide at the beginning of it. It just is so much, it's just too much. They, there's just so much front loaded story. It is, you just get bored. Like I was trying to digest the story, keep up with what was going on. And, you know, 
for me, it's like you get a little bit of story, you get combat, you get more story, you get some more combat, right? There's like a good mixture where it keeps you enticed, it keeps you engaged. And this game was was realistically just a ridiculous amount of story to at a certain point I said, fuck it, I'm just going to get up. I'm not going to do the story. I'm just going to like hit my way through this, you know, hit um, confirm or whatever. Okay. And just run through the story as much as possible, but try to understand enough to know where I was going. So I'm just like mashing through and mashing through, even mashing through was super, so super slow. <laughs> there was so much story. It was, That's, I hate story, that. that is so it's just tiring. Isn't it? When you have to yeah. sit through that, it just, it just wasn't and the story wasn't engaging. It wasn't interesting. It was very kind of just basic and cliche. Like it's uh, a male protagonist whose father disappeared because of some things. So it's very secretive and hush hush what happens. Hmm. Of course, the character you're playing gets the father's equipment and then you go out in the world and you find out that your father died to this thing and this thing tries to kill you. So now your whole arc is trying to revenge yourself and your father. And it's just, yeah, that's about <laughs> the story. That's about a part of the story where I just said, nope, I'm just going to keep going through this so the combat system the combat system this is a tactic tactical you know strategy game so you're playing as one character and it's grid like like final fantasy tactics except for the maps are huge so the 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 grids that i fought on were like 40 by 40 probably they're massive like they're massive massive scale uh, areas but the weird part is you're not engaged with every mob on the map but they still have a turn so if there's a mob that's at like the northwest okay, corner sure. of it, they they will like start their turn and they'll just walk in circles and then they'll skip their turn. It feels like what it sounds like what you're describing is as if they made a typical RPG dungeon, but they had it, but they did the gameplay as if the whole thing was a tactical endeavor. Is that does that kind of sound? Yeah, yeah, because that's like the whole gameplay is is basically the map is the dungeon. And you okay. basically roam around the map. There's like treasure chests that are on the map. There's a ton of mobs, uh, but all the mobs get to go. So on the maps where and the first map <laughs> right. you do, you're, you're fighting these slimes and they have like a 50% chance to split. So they split in half. So if you think about it, these oh, mobs no. that are all the way across the map <laughs> are duplicated. You're going right? to multiply like fucking rabbits by the time you get to them. Yeah. And they're not hard. Like you're, there's no threat of dying. It's more of like dying of old age because they all get a turn. <laughs> Right. So if there's 50 of them, they all get to go. And so you get to watch them uh, wiggle and then pass, wiggle and then pass. And then w- and it's like all the way through. And so you kill one and they spawn two more. And you're, it's like the Hydra from Hercules. You just you just don't want to do it. It's just it was <laughs> not great. And so your character does. I mean, primarily. So the way your turn works is when you click when your turn starts, you basically can move. And there's like a section of area you can move through, like like the amount of space you can move. And then you can only attack things if they're in melee range to you unless you're using an ability. Okay, great. Pretty pretty standard. Um, but realistically, it just came down to moving as close to mobs as possible, passing. Move as close as possible, pass. Oh, I'm in range. Melee attack, one shot. Okay, go to the next one. Oh, I'm in range. Auto attack. You know, just kill it and move on. And that sure. was the first battle. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just the first fight. Like, they don't want to give you too much to di- digest. So then you get more characters. And I think I, I got up to three characters when I stopped playing. And realistically, all the characters had abilities, but it just didn't matter. You just walked up to mobs and hit them and killed so them. So you start off with going. just one guy and, and then you add just one more guy. as you go? Okay. And then you get a second one and then you get a third one. And their stories are okay. They're a little bit better than the main character's story. It's still, again, kind of basic and whatever. Um, 
but their abilities just don't matter. Like one of the characters has a lot of buffs and debuffs where he like amplifies your, your character's damage, heals them, or uh, gives them movement speed. And the other character has like direct damage, and then you have like some sort of magic where you can like drop it on the ground and it does AOE. And but none of it mattered. You realistically just like walked up, hit them, and kept going. Like there was no threat of me dying really ever. I was just like walking everything down without any problem. And the maps again are really large, and it's it's not engaging. Like you're not mobs like. They're just moving around all over this giant grid yeah. and you're engaged with like two or three mobs and, and then your turn finishes and now you get to watch 15 turns of enemies go. Yep. So it just wasn't enjoyable. Uh, there was nothing that was holding me to this game and I just fell off entirely. I tried to continue to push through to play a little bit further because people said it does get better. People kept saying like it gets better, it gets better and I just couldn't do it. Didn't it just really didn't do anything for me. The combat wasn't enticing. The character growth wasn't enticing. And when you level, it wasn't really exciting. There wasn't anything crazy you got. Uh, there was no talent trees, <laughs> of course. Uh, but <laughs> no sphere-shaped talent trees? No sphere-shaped talent trees, yeah, exactly. So... All in all, not my thing. Uh, and I apologize if people are big fans of this game. It's whatever to me. It just wasn't that great. Uh, otherwise, I started... Great. It was not great. It was not enjoyable. Uh, probably would never play that game again. Okay. It was, was a definite miss for me. Uh, I started playing Paper Mario again. Uh, I'm about oh, three hours cool. in right now. Really enjoying it. So my, my brother and I so my brother and I have been talking about games to play. And he was like, you know, I really want to play Paper Mario again. And I was like, god damn it. Now I want to play Paper Mario. So uh, I, I have been to, for the first time. It's so fun. It's such a great... And I just played Super Mario PG, so I couldn't justify playing that again. So I want to play play Super Mario, and then I want to play this... Or excuse me, Paper Mario. Uh, and then the second one as well. Obviously not uh, the one for Switch, but everything else I'm probably going to play at least... Well, there were a bunch of in-between, right, for... Uh, I mean, obviously there was a GameCube one, but then there were... Well, I'd say a bunch. There were multiple for DS. Some of them were... Paper Mario and some of were some of some of them were just six. Mario RPG. Yeah. There's six total apparently. Six in the Paper Mario series. Oh, there's spin. There's main series and spinoffs. So the main series was Paper Mario, and then there was Thousand Year Door, Super Paper Mario, Sticker Star, uh, Paper Jam. Paper Jam is Color awesome. Slash. Yeah, and then Origami King. Which one? Origami King is the one that you didn't like, right? I thought the game was really boring, yeah. Okay. I heard Paper Splash also wasn't great, but I never tried it. Yeah, which is crazy, because I don't feel like it's... uh, Color Splash. Very arrogantly. Like, I still... I I just feel like Origami King was just, like, way too... Like, just boring. It was was just... There wasn't enough there. And the difficult... The other thing, too, is, like, Paper Mario is not a notoriously difficult game, but Origami King just felt like a wash. Like, you could just literally walk through without any challenge. Okay. So, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I'll talk about it more in one, once I if, if I continue to play through it. But it's been it's been really fun so far. I'm actually enjoying it quite a bit. If I was not ch- trying to make sure that I get all the way through Final Fantasy VIII by the time we talk about it, uh, two or three episodes from now, I would I would start playing it right now also, so we can <laughs> play through it at the same time because I've it's been just wanting such a casual playthrough. You know, I've never played it, but I've I've oh. wanted to for a long time. Uh, so I would. Since you're doing, I would jump on it right now if I wasn't grinding through uh, FF8 at the moment. But yeah, it's 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 a definite it's a definite uh, casual playthrough. It's a really easy game. Just so like what's what's good about it? Tell, tell us. What are uh, the combat style has like the input commands, which is always I think is always enjoyable. Um, there's a decent amount of like not, I want to say strategy, but like every time you level, you pick between HP, MP, and badge points. 
badge points are basically okay. equipment and you get different badges and you can strategize which badges you want to use and makes your character stronger or weaker. You have a companion that's with you and you can choose which companion you want to keep with you. Each of them has their own strengths and weakness, which is kind of cool. Um, the actual fights of the, uh, the actual fights for like the bosses stuff are pretty interactive. The story is, you know, very Mario esque. you know, it's light sense of humor, um, a little over the top at times, you know, just, just kind of fun in that regard. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a well-rounded game. I know it's like really like generic, but so what's the, like, the combat the, is, is, the, is challenging. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the combat like? Is, this, is it like, is it like Mario RPG? Like is, uh, or is it just pretty much basic JRPG? Like how, what's the combat like? Kind of. So like you basically, um, you have, you know, you have your basic attack, which you, there's an input timing you could do it for it. Whenever a mob attacks you, there's an input you can do to, to slow down damage or, or reduce oh, damage. Oh, so there, so it is kind of like Mario RPG. Yeah, in that regard, there's still some mechanics with that. And then um, you you have like your your MP or your mana points can be used for super abilities. You can either jump or use your hammer. There's a lot of items you can use, which honestly makes gold. Gold is actually pretty valuable in this game because you can buy a lot of uh, you can buy a lot of items, and you can only store ten items at a time. But the items are really nice. Some of them like AOE and stuff. Like realistically, it's it's one of the, it's one of those games where like if you're very good about attrition and like reducing damage taken and dealing a lot of damage you can level like really aggressively and i don't know i just really like like that aspect of it there's a lot of strategy around all the different resources you have which sounds really in depth for paper mario but for me it's been it's been really enjoyable so far i don't know and also like the puzzles and stuff aren't super crazy uh they're interactive and like every time you get a new companion you know usually a lot of the puzzles in the future are going to be uh evolve, revolving around that so that's always kind of fun to do um like companion yeah. isn't like party members you get one party member. You get one companion. Oh, And you really? have multiple you can choose from. And you can rotate and you can change during combat and stuff depending on what you need. Yeah, like so far I have like a, I have a Goomba as a companion. I have a uh, a Koopa as a companion. And then I have a Bomb as a companion. Later on you get like oh, that's a cool. flying Koopa. Yeah, you get, you get a decent amount of companions. Later you get like a, uh, you get like a ghost. But it's, I don't, it's, it's, it's a, a girl. I don't know what she's categorized. I would assume it's like a Boo type. Um and then you get like a flying Koopa at some point. So why are all these bad guys your companion? Uh, it's weird. The world doesn't really like treat them as bad guys. Like there's like villages of like Koopas and stuff that are just good people. And, okay. I don't know. That's cute. Yeah, That's they funny. don't really talk through it. What's so? What's give us the? Obviously, it has something to do with Bowser and probably Peach being kidnapped. But what's the what's the like two second premise of the story? Sure. So Bowser was making wishes and they weren't being granted, and he was pissed off. So he stole. <laughs> he was Iran making from the wishes start. and they weren't being granted. Yeah. He was making wishes like I want Mario to like die and I want Peach to fall in love with me, and and it wasn't happening because obviously they don't grant wishes like that. So he went and stole the star rod from the seven stars, and he is using it to grant wishes now. And so he 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 wished that the. Uh, kingdom would be lifted up into space and so he basically runs the mushroom <laughs> kingdom in space and he captured peach and he's just like holding her hostage and stuff so your objective is to capture or to, to regain the seven stars so you can fight bowser and kill him wait so you're getting the seven stars again yeah so it's, <laughs> yeah, i had that's hilarious for multiple reasons first off i didn't know that it was actually a sequel to super mario rpg I thought it was, I mean, I like, I, I just thought, like it, a, I thought yeah. it was just another Mario, you know, another RPG with Mario, but they're directly going off of Super Mario RPG, evidently, where you had to, you know, find all the seven stars where you made wishes from to put them back. So now that the yeah. seven stars are back, 
Bowser's pissed because they won't give him all his wishes now, and now he's still. They won't them. grant his wishes, so he he basically uh, stole the rod so he wishes. And, and I will say, I think I think one of the biggest themes, biggest things for me is the different settings that you're in are really enjoyable, and the, the you know the mob types you fight in those settings are, are very interesting. And the mobs have uh, strengths and weaknesses. So like if there's like a spiky mob, you can't jump on it; you have to use your hammer. Right. Um, if there's like turtles and stuff, if they're flying, you can knock off their wings so they land, and then you can knock them on their back. And you know, like there's some like light strategy stuff like that, which is which is pretty cool too. Is there a so the the fact that they're all paper is that purely an artistic thing, or is there like some kind of reason why everybody's a piece of paper? Artistic. There's some okay. uses in the actual game for it as well. Obviously, sure. like there's certain puzzles, but um, it's not. It's definitely their first installment of it. It's definitely right. like their exploratory. Uh, okay, so you can tell that you, you you can feel that they're still feeling it out and figuring yeah, out how to. Yeah, this work was with it. their first go. Um. So, uh, you sh- if you get a chance to play Paper Jam, it is awesome. Okay, one I'll my, take a look at it actually at some point. One of my favorite RPGs. But yeah, yeah. and then the last. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say they do a lot of the stuff that you said is very sounded very similar, like where it has a you know a spike turtle and you have to use your hammer on that one instead of jumping, or uh, also like in that one, there it's a it's a combination of non paper RPG Mario and paper RPG Mario, so it has elements of both, and so some of the thing like some of the puzzles that they do regarding the paper is like for instance if there's a small crack in a wall there might be a you know something like an item you can get on the other side of it and in that case you would switch to paper mario so that you could squeeze through the crack like a little you could like turn horizontally or whatever yeah yeah i've I've seen something that's cool so uh and the last thing i wanted oh go ahead no i was gonna ask you what else uh the only thing i was gonna say is so so we are my brother and i are getting itched to play heroes of might magic 3 again uh and so (laughs) i i may have convinced them we may actually try and play heroes of might magic 2 together a bit we might actually try some of the newer ones too. So uh, I might might be playing those here in the near future at some point, depending if we can find. There are that somebody developed where uh, you can both take your turns at the same time. One of the biggest challenges of playing Heroes of Might and Magic with other people is turns take a while. Like they can take anywhere from like, you know, three to 15 minutes, depending on how many fights you're doing. And so for 15 minutes, you're just sitting there like waiting and you can't do anything. And so there's a mod that somebody developed for Heroes 3 that allows you to both take your turn at the same time, which made the game much more approachable. Um, so for, apparently for some of the newer installments, they did that. Uh, so we may explore some of those over the next couple months here. Awesome. Yep. So, pa- so paper... Huh? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So Paper Mario, it sounds like you It sounds like you were. You liked it. Or you're, yeah, I'm you enjoying are liking it so far. It. I mean, I've played it before, obviously, but it, it's been a minute. I always forget a lot of a lot of the, like the, the Mar- Paper Mario, the Mario RPGs. I always forget a lot of pieces of it until I play it again. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's a really easy thing to do. Like, just when I get off work, whatever, and you just want a few minutes to play something like really, honestly, kind of kind of casual. It's a really right. nice playthrough. So. I love the way I love the look of the game. The paper, the paper aesthetic is so is so neat. Um, I'm I'm really. I'm playing it this year as one of my resolutions. Uh, I'm excited to finally play it. And do you know how long it is? I don't. I would probably get it maybe like 30 to 40, hour, 40 hours. You think, it's, guess, but you I think it's that long? Wow. Okay. Paper Mario 64. Game like 20 to 23 hours. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So, this, uh, so, okay. That's about the same as Mario RPG, right? It was about 20. 
Is that right? Or was it less? Yeah, I think so. Some, some, I, I think it was. I think it was a. Uh, I don't remember offhand actually. I think that sounds. But it was something in that same territory. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, real quick, have you ever played the Thousand Year Door? Uh, I've watched Lisa play it, and I've played it a little bit, but I don't think I've ever beaten it before. Do you have? I do want to play it though. I've heard good things about it. Oh, it, it is supposed to be good. I, I think so. I think it's supposed to be pretty good. Okay. All right. Just a random question. Okay. Is that all? Is that all you got? Or was there another one? Or that is, is that all it? I got for now. That's all you got. All right. My last one is Phantasmagoria. Hmm. Phantasmagoria was a CD-ROM game uh, for PC, of course. It came out in 1995. It is a Sierra point-and-click adventure game. It's a uh, horror game, as you could probably tell from the title. I, what is? I don't even know what Phantasmagoria means. Do you have any idea what that means? I feel like oh. Phantas blank, like any sort of suffix, is a general horror term but i have no idea what it i mean i guess it means ghost or something it probably means something related to ghosts because like phantom wouldn't you think so i've never i've never thought to look so, it yeah. up but even if you my point is even not knowing what the hell phantasmagoria means you can tell it's a hard game sure uh so as i said this is a sierra point and click game which generally means very bad things um although this actually happens to avoid the biggest of the bad things that um, Sierra point and clicks are known for, which is having dead end states where you didn't, you didn't eat a piece of cheese in the first 10 minutes in the game. And so later on 20 hours later you die because you had to eat that piece of cheese because eating that piece of cheese, uh, made you full and now and then you didn't pick up the poisonous mushroom to eat that you're gonna die for you know like just stupid that i just made that up but you know, it's like completely stupid shit like that where you can ruin your entire game by not doing something that you had no reason to know you should have done and then you later on the game was unwinnable because of something that you did or didn't do very very early sure. on this does not do that thankfully i actually thought there was one point where it did and i was very pissed but it turns out I actually just didn't know what I was doing <laughs> and my game was not over or it, it was not a dead end. I, there was just something else that I needed to do, but I was so used to Sierra games screwing you over like that. I was like, Oh, they did it again. But no, it was actually all me. And I looked it up um, because it does get a little bit weird. I'll, and I'll talk about that. I'll, I'll get to, back to this later, but it has some weird stuff that really made me think that that was happening. But I looked into it and uh, evidently, I, I had done something wrong and the game actually was still winnable. Um, so the thing about Phantasmagoria is it is fully full motion video live acted, uh, which I, I it wasn't the first game. It was not the first point and click game to do that uh, as far as I know. But um, when you think point and click uh, Sierra games, obviously you think of the, typical point and click like 8-bit graphics or maybe 16 i don't know how many fucking bits they use but you know what I'm, you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. those style of games whereas this one everything was live acted or uh you need to i guess a lot of the environments and stuff were probably uh created you know like were probably computer uh like designed like cgi or something like that 
uh, I'm trying to like picture in my head. I guess they did a good job with it because I don't know if the things that they did were actually was art or actually shot on like, or if it was actually photographs of photographs of areas, but regardless it all for, for the parts, the characters are all live acted. The backgrounds and environments are and stuff are either actual places or there are some places where they're definitely not real, but they all look real enough to be like, Oh yeah, he's in a real house right now. Um, and so that's that's the way that this game is a lot different from a lot of other Sierra games. What this means is when you click to go into a room, the character like ha- has an animation for that specific room where she will, um, the main character will walk from you know the kitchen to the like pantry, for instance, and everything is animated in a very specific way. And also does look kind of funny when. You're not doing anything when you're if she's just sitting there while you're trying to figure out what you want to do next because she kind of sits like she kind of stands almost almost as if she's a mannequin just like perfectly still with her arms down to her side and so it looks really kind of odd and unnatural but it's kind of like well that's what we had to go with back then what do you, you know what do you expect she in the sequel to this they they did actually address that where the main character will do little things while he's standing there like scratch his head or kind of look around and it it doesn't look great. It doesn't look natural still, but it looks a lot better than them just standing like a piece of wood and staring straight forward, you know, with a blank face. The point of the game is you and your husband have just moved into this basically like a haunted mansion. You've just moved into this giant mansion. It never explains how you, um, well, I take it back. I was going to say it never explains how you're able to afford it. But I think the idea is you got a good price on it basically because nobody else wants it because it has this history of this this uh, illusionist who used to live there, killed all his wives there or something like that. And everybody thinks it's haunted, but you guys don't believe that. So nobody else wants to buy it, but you all did. Um, your husband is a photographer. You are a writer. And you kind of move there to have space for him to set up uh, a, a – what's the what's – the, What's the name of what do you call the rooms that photographers have that that has the red lights and you develop? Oh, <laughs> shoot! Whatever those rooms are called, I don't red remember. Rooms? I, that's what I wanted to say too, but that doesn't sound right. Uh, yeah, wh- whatever, right. yeah, whatever it is, you, you want a place where you could have space to go off and work on your book. So, and he can do his, he can develop film and his, he can set up a room to be a red room. <laughs> that's what we're gonna call it. And develop film there and while he, you know, and go off and do his photography stuff and just kind of have a way, a place away from everybody where uh, y'all can do your thing and do your artistic stuff. Um, the game starts off basically after you've pretty much just moved there. <clears throat> and what you do is you spend the game for the, you start off really just exploring the house, exploring the mansion, walk into all the different rooms and seeing what's where, what kind of stuff you can find. The the puzzle elements in this part, and, and actually throughout the entire game, are really very, very light. It's, you know, you'll find a key, and it's just, you, you'll come across a locked door that you can't get. And then later on, you'll find a key. And okay, guess what? You use that key to unlock the door. <laughs> it's, there are some, I mean, that's a, kind of an extreme example, but that is that is an actual example from the game. There are other uh, parts that are a little, a little bit more tricky than that, but it's all very, very basic puzzle solving. Um, 
So as you are exploring your house and then eventually exploring, there's like a very small town nearby that you got to go to and check out some of the stores and kind of meet some of the people there. Uh, I remember playing. So when I was, so this game came out in 1995. I, I was 12 and I was too young to be playing this game, I think, because it used to scare the shit out of me. <laughs> um, a lot of the horror, not all of it, but a lot of it comes from, I don't know if this is just me, but I've always had a fear of big, empty houses. Um, even when I was little, even my own house, if I was upstairs by myself, I was always a little unsettled. Uh just being, just knowing that I was the only person upstairs, something about that was very scary to me. It's like, I, I don't even know where it comes from or, or what the thought, pro- I mean, I guess there's not really a thought process. It's not a logical thing, but big empty houses have always scared the hell out of me. And this is exactly that. And you're going around looking in the different rooms and coming across, occasionally coming across very strange things. Like there is one room that uh, it has a crib in it. And over the crib, there's this kind of cloudy cloud thing that's just sort of floating over it. (laughs) It's a little cloudy cloud that's floating right directly over the crib. And you can't really interact with it. I think she waves her hand in it if you click on it and and it feels cold and that's it. Um, Then there are like you just kind of you just kind of keep coming across little creepy things that suggest the place is haunted, but don't outright come and say it. And for me, just walking through the house alone was pretty scary. Uh, but then occasionally she'll have these visions and it's unclear whether these kind of experience she's having are aspects of the house being haunted and doing things to you or whether it's kind of all in her imagination. For for instance, there's okay. this, there's this one room you walk into and you're checking out and you can click on the bed. And when you click on the bed, she goes and kind of relaxes and lays down on it. And then all of a sudden all these hands come out of the bed and start grabbing onto her. And she's, you know, screaming of course, and then like a few seconds later they're all gone and she it's almost like she kind of woke up from a bad dream and she's laying there. So it's so you don't know whether the house did that or if that was all in her imagination. Things like that keep happening. Um, and then a little bit more specific things start happening that really suggest, okay, something actually is going on here. For instance, you start seeing you start seeing visions of the guy who lived there, the this illusionist guy, who you later learn was was tr- was trying to learn actual magic. He was kind of became obsessed with figuring out how to actually harness magical powers and uh, like his, his endeavor to do real magic and like in whatever way he could like doing whatever he could to figure out a way to actually do real magic. Uh, You come across, you start coming across rooms where you'll have a vision seeing him murder one of his previous wives. Um, And dude, you're, I'm telling you, these are some of the goriest murder scenes I've seen. Really? Definitely the goriest ones I've seen in a, in a video game. Uh, keep, in, keep in mind, this is all live acted. Uh, so it's not just, you know, like, it's not as if you were watching a murder on Monkey Island or Space Quest or King's Quest or something like that. Especially for a little kid, this was huge. Uh, there's one where you're in a greenhouse 
and his wife at that time is at the greenhouse and he walks up and he's, I forget what she did, but he's mad at her for something. And he kills her by getting a little, you know, like the little tiny shovels that you use for gardening, like the little hand yeah, shovels. Trowels. Trowels. Yeah, yeah. He uh, shoves it into her mouth and then like she gets knocked down and he kills her by scooping up dirt and cramming it into her mouth with the trowel. Like, so he, he's like stabbing her basically in the back of the throat with it at the same time that he's filling her mouth with dirt. And that's how he kills her. And it like shows Jesus. it very explicitly. There's one where he, uh, like one of the more extreme ones he, and maybe this is a spoiler. If, if you are interested in playing this game and you want to see them all for yourself, maybe skip ahead 30 seconds or so, but he's, he straps her to like a table, like a, he's a straight up torture device. He's got her strapped to this thing and a giant funnel is like shoved into her mouth and he's just got like intestines or some kind of animal organs and he's cramming them down the, uh, down the funnel into her mouth until she chokes on them and dies. It's, it's pretty nuts. And then, and then this isn't even all of them. Like there's a few death scenes at the very end of the game with another kind of torture device thing that are extremely graphic. Um, there's even at one point a rape scene where, Jesus. so what, so part of the story is that her husband, uh, so something, ha- I, I, I'm, I won't give more details than are necessary, but something happens and this guy's spirit, the guy, the dead guy who killed all his wives, his spirit or something like that kind of gets loose in the house and possesses her husband. And he starts I was going to say slowly going insane, but actually it happens. It's actually a pretty quick process. He pretty quickly starts losing his mind and turning into a very terrible person. And at one point in the game, he straight up just rapes the main character, uh, which is obviously kind of crazy. There's some, uh, there's speculation as to whether they, they added that part of the game just to like push the envelope, you know, or whether they, legitimately kind of thought that this was the best way to show how crazy the guy is getting. Uh, I don't, I don't have any insight on that other than I do know that it was a scene that they added back in later after they had recorded most of the other stuff, which does suggest maybe they were like, Oh, let's kick it up a notch. But regardless, it's just another extreme aspect of the game where uh, they were, where they were really, really trying to kind of disturb people as much as possible. In my opinion, it actually, I don't know. I want to say it actually does do a good job for me as kind of disturbing as the scene is and not something that I want to see. It does help to illustrate just how insane the guy is going. So I think it, I don't think it's entirely without artistic merit, but it is regardless not it is very uncomfortable extremely uncomfortable to watch as you as you would probably imagine um so that's the kind of the story is your husband going more and more insane you discovering these things throughout the house and then it's eventually like what what the hell am i going to do about it the gameplay as i said is a lot of walking around and, and there are some some light puzzles but unfortunately almost all of the progression in the game besides like you know, several very easy puzzles are just finding the right place to walk into. Like literally you might not know what to do and you don't have, your character doesn't have a goal. There's there, there, there are plenty of times where 
you don't have something that you know you need to do. It's not like, oh, there's this locked door I need to get into. Yes, that happens multiple times throughout the games, but there are plenty of times where you, you don't have a goal. And you're just wandering around, and what you literally have to do is just wander around until you walk into a room where a scene happens. And so that really takes away a lot of the fun of point-and-click adventure games where you're typically, you have a goal, and you're trying to figure out how to get inside this room or get this or convince this person to do something for you or get this object. That is very largely absent from this game. You are spending a lot of the time with no goal in mind and just wandering around until you happen to stumble into the right location that triggers a scene. And then you go from there. So that's where the game really, really falls off is the gameplay, which is just very, just blindly walking around. Uh, obviously that's not a very fun thing to do and that kind of sucks. Um, so it becomes a matter of does the story make up for the lack of gameplay for me? Not really. Um, the, the story does do a very good job of, of really creeping you the hell out. Um, especially for 1995. But even playing it now, like I felt very unsettled walking around the house, walking around this big, giant, empty house uh, and 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 all the murder scenes and stuff like that. It still is. It still does a pretty good. It's still pretty effective at what it's trying to do. But the actual gameplay is bad and the story is not good enough. I don't think to overcome the gameplay. Like, yes, it is very unsettling the whole way through. There is a, an arc of this guy of your husband going more and more insane, but that's kind of all there is to it. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's really bad overall. Like it's, it's, it's so, it's a so, so game because you know, there's, there's nothing really interesting about the story. It's just straight up horror. Like we're going to do what we can to make you as un as uncomfortable as possible. Sure. They do a pretty good job of that, but there's not really much nuance to it. Uh, so that being said, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe if you are in the mood for something like this, check it out. But overall, it's it's it, it holds up well in the in the sense that once again, I'm trying not to repeat myself too much. It holds up well in the sense that yes, it still is a very unsettling game to play, but it does not hold up in the sense of this is a fun game to play. So it really depends on what you're looking for. If if you aren't really looking for gameplay and you just want a horror experience, this might actually do it for you. It's it it's not bad. But gameplay wise, if you want something with puzzles and stuff, it it, it is bad. <laughs> so, so it really just is what you're looking for, I guess, is what it comes down to. Um. Oh. Oh. And I was gonna mention at the end of the game, the part where I thought my uh, game had dead ended, had dead ended. There's a part at the end where you will get. I, I won't go into details, but you will get killed if you don't do the correct things. But what happens is the game, you have one save throughout the whole game. You cannot create multiple saves. Every time you save, it erases your old one and updates it to where you are now. But then when you get to this kind of end game sequence, it even deletes that. And you can only pick up from this specific spot. Whatever save you had before that, it deletes that save. And then if you want to play, then you pick up from this one specific spot. I thought at this one specific spot where it had granted me this new save, 
I thought that there was something that I needed that I could not get. But actually, I I was I looked into it, and there actually is a way to get this item even at this part. So it's really weird that it does that. Like it just up kind of pulls your save up to this one spot for no reason, even if you don't want it to. Um, I don't know. I don't like that, and I don't get it. But it actually doesn't really affect anything. So uh, that was what threw me off at the end. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think you, I think you kind of get the get get my general feelings about it. Um, overall. Not great is, 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 but, but, but not terrible is my, uh, my final kind of verdict. But as I, as I said, it really just depends on what you're looking for. So that's Phantasmagoria. As I mentioned last time, we are going to have, uh, Paul Morgan Stetler. Uh, we're going to do an interview with him. Uh, this is going to happen before our next episode. Finally. Um, I mentioned last time that, that I had been talking with him about doing an interview uh, I wasn't sure if we were going to do that before this episode or before the next one, but we are going to do that interview before our next episode. Paul, Paul Morgan Stetler is the main, he's the actor who played the main character in the sequel to Phantasmagoria, which is Phantasmagoria, A Puzzle of Flesh. That came out a few years later, and uh, he has a stream slash YouTube channel slash Patreon where he's kind of revisiting that game and interviewing lots of people who who were involved with that, as well as other adventure games. And so Jay and I are going to interview him sometime between now and the next time you hear from us. Please send us email. Please send us some questions for him. Don't wait for the next episode because then it'll be too late. Mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Whatever you want to hear, whatever questions you have for him, just send them to us and uh, we'll throw them at him. He Again, he plays Curtis, the main character in the sequel to this game. And uh, I'm looking forward to to doing that interview. I think it's going to be fun. He's he's done a lot yeah, of really yeah he's done a lot of cool and interesting stuff on on his on his own channel. So uh, it'll be fun to talk to him about that. And, and it's and it's been fun hearing kind of his retrospective of what it was like to work on uh, a puzzle of flesh. So so do that and and be on the lookout for that in the next episode as well. Um, so we're done with games. Is that you got you said you got no more games, right? That's it. All right, well, let's let's jump into emails then. Um, here, here, uh, Jay, you take this one. This is a quick one from, uh, uh, he doesn't actually give his name. The, 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 uh, subject line is Icewind Dale 2. Excellent. Uh, who's, who's this from? Is he didn't say. Okay. Uh, they said, hearing that you guys are having so much difficulty made me think that you weren't turning the option on for the game to auto-pause at the end of each character's six second round which will let you know exactly when it's time to give them the next command and yeah i find it works well breaking up all the combat scenarios with other games and not trying to marathon or anything lets you recharge in between and refresh anyway once you get once you get better and it it, it, it becomes too easy here's a tactics mod that makes things makes a lot of the boring fights more interesting it's pretty good oh he sent me a link he sent me a link um so he's saying Icewind Dale 2 gets easy. I don't know. For me, it never... I mean, yes, I under, I did see that you can pause it and you can do auto-pause yeah, and all that. Too. I didn't... That didn't help me. And it sounded like it didn't help you too much either. No, not at all. Okay. Um. Next one is Father Beast. Father Beast says, uh, Hello, Classic Gamers. This is Father Beast. On the subject of games, I resolved to play in the new year. 
For the last several years, I have just copied over the list from the previous year since I didn't play any of them. <laughs> it seems like I don't take this resolution very seriously. Well, in, hey. two, in, 20, <laughs> in 2021, I actually did play some of the games on my list. For reference, the games were Sins of a Solar Empire, Freelancer, Grim, Grim Fandango, Starflight, and Roller Coaster Tycoon. During 2021, I actually played Grim Fandango, Starflight, and Roller Coaster Tycoon, so I guess I need games to replace them this time. Uh, he's got his list below, which I'll get to in just a second. As for the number one slot, uh, some years ago, I made a commitment to, pay, to play through all the campaigns of all the Heroes of Might and Magic games. Whoa. And last year, I managed to finish the campaign, uh, the campaigns for Heroes 2. The Heroes 3 campaigns are going to be something of a bigger chunk since I will play the campaigns for the original game and the expansions. Plus, I will also uh, play through the Heroes Chronicles. What's, do you know what that is? Heroes Chronicles? Yeah, I've never heard of that. Plus, I will also play the campaigns included in the Hota mod. Do you know what the Hota Dang. mod is? Hota, Horn of the Abyss. Okay. That's all probably going to take longer than the year, yeah. but we will see how far I get. Um, are the campaigns... Are the campaigns long on these, or do you even hours? Uh, several hours. Oh, so I mean, so not each, too long. each map is like several hours. Oh, each like map is several hours. hours. Oh yeah, they're super long. Wow, that sounds fun. Long time. They are very fun. They're just very time consuming. So his final list yeah. it, okay. for for the new year is Sins of a Solar Empire, Freelancer, Quest for Glory Three, Starflight Two, and the Heroes Three campaigns compilation. Cool. All right, sounds good, Father Beast. Thank you. Keep us posted. On how your resolutions go. Last one here. Chase the Night Cleaner. Um, so, I'm, Jay, I'm going to have you read this one if that's alright. For context, some of the seemingly random thoughts Chase provides us here are uh, questions that I kind of jokingly asked on Twitter. Uh, when I was saying that it was time to email us if you have an email for this new episode. So, uh, uh, here's Chase's email. He says, hello, gentlemen, Chase the Night Cleaner here with one of those last minute emails again. Robert posted some questions on Twitter's, Twitter, so let's resolve those first. Worries, developing severe illness or my child developing severe illness? You want to explain that? Uh, I think I said send us your deepest worries or something like that. Okay. What is, do you have, do you have a, do you have any uh, to, to, to really bring this podcast down a notch? <laughs> Why don't I ask you what your deepest dang. worries are? <laughs> Uh, I mean, we, we talked about biggest fears. I don't think that's necessarily what we're talking about. I don't know. I mean, right now for me, it's just contracting COVID. I mean, not to be topical, but I am uh-huh. doing like I just all the long-term effects that they're showing COVID right now. It's just, I just want to stay the fuck away from it. Dude, it sounded like you got it. Remember when you got really sick and you were telling us about it yeah. on the podcast a while back? Do you think you had it then? No, because I, I got, I, they did a test with the antibodies. And I don't have it. So uh, okay. Oh man. Yeah, I think it was just pneumonia. So I don't know. Okay. Uh, Chase says his favorite color is maroon. Coolest thing he's ever eaten is ice. Good one, Chase. What's your favorite color? Uh, probably like aqua or like teal. Dude, that's mine too. No shit. Yep. Coolest thing I've ever. Coolest eaten. thing you've ever eaten. I had a giant cake that was made out of three enormous donuts stacked on top of each other. I think that's probably the coolest. That thing sounds amazing. Yeah. Um. Oh, I got one. So I think I showed this to you guys. Lisa and I, she got like a gift card for Gold Gold Belly, I think that's the name of it. It's oh, like yeah, yeah. Service. We order from there sometimes. 
Yeah. Oh my god, that's so expensive. We that, oh like gosh. we ordered I ordered like a box of peanut butter cups and it was like sixty dollars or yep. eighty dollars or something. Uh, the best peanut butter, peanut butter cups I ever had. There was like peanut butter and jelly ones. There was like an Oreo one. They were just incredibly good. Nice. Never, we'll never buy it again because like, obviously <laughs> if we didn't have a gift card, it wouldn't happen. There's a good uh, lobster roll place on there that we get from sometimes. Um, wow. There's a there's a place that has good like Asian buns, like stuffed with meat and stuff that are really good. Those are kind of the main. Those are kind of like our whenever we're like let's order something from there. Just if we've like just. We did it a lot over lockdown. We were like, let's order something fun and really crazy and awesome to eat. Uh, those were a couple of our go-tos. Brisket from there is really good. Oh, I'm sure it is. Oh, uh, Central Barbecue in Memphis, if you're if you're in the mood for, for ribs, they have my favorite ribs, and they are, they're perfectly great if you order them from there, frozen. Chase goes on to say, which brings me to a question of the day. What state makes the best tasting barbecue? Like, which state is known for it? That's uh, funny. I think Texas. I talking about I that. Te- I feel like Texas is, yeah. I've heard people say Texas, but I've also heard that Kansas barbecue is some of the most incredible cooked meat you'll ever encounter if you know exactly where to go. From what I've heard, Terry Black's in Texas is considered to be the best barbecue place. Uh, um, I've never had it personally, but. I grew up in Memphis, and Memphis is the barbecue capital of the world, and they have the best barbecue. You should try Texas barbecue. I don't know if I, yeah, I I, I should. Uh, I will say I'm not, I guess I am biased to Memphis, but I'm not against the idea of someplace might be better because I do like, is it like North Carolina style barbecue or is that, is that right? It's like, or is maybe it's just Carolina in general style barbecue. I do like that kind of barbecue as well. Um, It's a, I think the, the difference there is generally considered that they use like a vinegar based barbecue sauce in a lot of their stuff. Uh, I don't really know much about the specifics, but I do really like that style barbecue also. But I mean, I grew up in Memphis, so I'm going to, I got to go with Memphis for me. They have awesome barbecue. And as I said, specifically central barbecue from Memphis is their, their stuff is so damn good, but you really can't go wrong with any of like the big Memphis places like Corky's or, uh, uh, Commissary is good. There are there are plenty of good barbecue places in Memphis. Yeah, I think you got your work cut out for you, Chase. There's a lot of really really good places in America, unfortunately, for barbecue. Yeah, I've never had Kansas barbecue. I I, I mean I can't ima- I can't think of any time that I had anything that was like this is Texas barbecue. So I don't even really know what that means, but I I guess I haven't had it. Yeah, there's a couple places out here that are really good as well, but I've never really had much else out here outside here too. So, yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, as a Canadian, did you know Chase was Canadian? Yes. Okay, I guess maybe I just missed that before. Um, I don't really have a say in this one, but if I ever travel to a state again, I want to be ready and armed with the knowledge of where to get the very best barbecue. Go to Memphis. Go to Texas. <laughs> Uh, and that's it for me, gentlemen. I hope you both are well, and thank you for the wonderful little part of your show. Cheers and talk soon. Chase the Night Cleaner. Thanks, Chase. Thank hope you, Chase. Well. Yeah, appreciate it as always. Thank you so much. Uh, Jay, current gaming subcast, is there anything you want to run through real fast? Uh, played a decent amount of Project Zomboid. You and I talked about that. You know, survival games are still, as we were kind of talking about with the Blizzard news, pretty prevalent. Project Zomboid's pretty fun. Wait, I thought you said you felt like survival games were... We're like yesterday. 
I, I feel like I, I said by the time their game comes out, it's going to be yesterday. Like, I oh, feel like okay. we're in the okay. thick of survival games right now. And by the time they actually get their game out, I just can't imagine. Because, I mean, survival games, there's so many. And they've been, you know, for like the last five years, there have been so many survival games that have picked up. And, you know, like, think of like Valheim. Valheim came out of nowhere and is incredibly popular right now. Ark was big for a number of years. There's like a lot of games that have been very prevalent in that space. I just can't imagine Blizzard's going to come forth with something that is going to refresh the genre that much. But I and by you. the way, they said it's a brand new IP. Like they're not going to use any of the similar. Yeah, yeah, I do. Stuff, I do so. remember that. Which that's I, I like. I do like that a lot. I'm glad they're not. I'm excited this, about that. It's not yeah. Warcraft survival. Not Overwatch. It's not Warcraft. Yeah. yeah. Or Starcraft, even. Yeah. Okay. Is that all you got? Yep. Uh, I got two real fast. Um, one is you and I talked about this. Is another one you and I talked about briefly vampire survivors. I got oh, yeah. hooked on that for a week or so. I'm not, I haven't been playing it anymore, but there's only two levels right now. I think they're planning on adding more. It's this, and I beat both the levels and I was like, well, I don't, it's made, it's a run based game. So, you know, plenty of people will go back and replay. But after I beat those, I kind of felt like I was, I was good because it, t- it took me a long time to beat those two levels. Uh, it's this game that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I think it, my understanding is it's still in early access, which I almost never play early access games, but this one seemed like it was only three bucks and it was, it was kind of one of those ones where I was usually I don't play early access games because I want to wait and not put in time that I'm going to have to just go back through again later to get the full experience. This one seemed like whatever time I put, whatever stuff they add to it, I'm not going to necessarily lose from playing it now. So I, uh, the, the whole game, it's this 2D, uh, it's a 2D game where it has kind of Nintendo or Super Nintendo level graphics, probably more like Super Nintendo, and you are on a big field, and there's bad guys walking towards you, and you control this main character who's just a sprite on the, on the, on the, on the field, and he auto attacks, and depending on, you unlock more characters as you go, depending on what your, what, uh, what character you are they have a different weapon i think the the first guy you starts off with has a whip he's basically uh simon from castlevania and he auto he just auto attacks with it every like whatever his cooldown is it's like every two or three seconds he whips his whip and all you do is you control where he walks and when you kill bad guys not always but a lot of the time they will drop a little a little crystal you pick that up and it gives you xp Every time you level up, it'll give you three or four, uh, usually three, sometimes four options, depending on various things, uh, three options on what you want to level up. And it's either, um, it'll give you three things. And if you don't hit it, like one of them will be uh, typically their weapons or health or armor or things like that. If it's a weapon you don't have, it gives you that weapon. If it's a weapon you do have, it upgrades that weapon. So if you got whip again, he would attack maybe more often, or it would give him, he would attack twice, uh, you know, in in one thing, or he would attack both ways instead of just in front of him, or it will just do more damage when he attacks. And you can, everything you can upgrade eight times or something like that to where if it's a projectile, you know, maybe he'll throw two instead of just one. And then his cooldown will be faster on some of the upgrades and some of the upgrades will give him more damage. And then other other upgrades, you know, as I said, will unlock additional weapons or will make him a little bit more resilient or move faster, things like that. And it gets to be this just insane flood of monsters eventually on the screen. You know, when you first start off, obviously, there's not much. There's 
a few bats flying around and you're just killing them as the, as the level progresses, as you go through it, it's, it's one 30 minute run every time you do it, you know, unless you die before the 30 minutes, but the more and more enemies start coming out more and more stronger and stronger enemies start coming out to where the whole screen is just completely filled with enemies and hopefully you've kind of leveled up your guy in the right ways and, and chosen the best uh, build for any given circumstance because either you're going to just get completely over overwhelmed and killed or you just turn into like oh, a massive killing machine of your own and you're just destroying everything that comes at you. It's uh, and then it gets really dicey sometimes where maybe you are, you're not destroying everything, but you are pretty much, but you are holding your own. Uh, in which case you're kind of really being careful about where you move. You don't want to get too swamped. So you're trying to find little cracks of enemies you can walk through real quick to, uh, to not get attacked because you just get attacked pretty much by coming in contact with them and hitting their hitbox. That's, how you take damage is pretty much if they get to you. Uh, so you're trying to find little like little paths through the through the bad guys that you can walk through to avoid getting hit. And then at the same time, as you're killing them, they're dropping all this XP. You're trying to figure out a way to kind of if you couldn't if you couldn't get close enough to pick that up when you killed them, you're trying you know eventually sometimes you get to this situation where you've killed a trillion bad guys and there are. Dozens and dozens and dozens of crystals is in one spot, but you can't get to it. So you get to this thing where you kind of try to walk away and and uh, kind of kite the bad guys to go a different direction. Then you kind of loop around and try to get to where you can go back and pick up all the crystals and level up. It was, for me, very, very addicting. Uh, it just feels very satisfying when you have a good build go to, going and you're just killing dozens of guys every second. Uh, and they can't even get close to you. Very fun. As I said, once I did, fi- there's only two levels right now. I don't know how many they eventually plan on adding. Once I finished those, I did feel like I didn't necessarily feel compelled to go back to it, but it's only $3. And for that, it's got really a, a, a good amount of replayability, you know, until you finally, for me, it was until I finally beat the missions, which the two levels, which did take a lot of tries. Uh, so that's pretty fun. It, for me, it was like, I almost kind of under, I started to, well, I started to understand why people like the, uh, what is it? The, um, dynasty warriors games. Uh, Oh yeah. I, I never really, I mean, I guess I already did understand why people liked them. It's, they're not for me, but for me, I, I always just, it was always like, I don't kill, care about just mindlessly hacking down a million bad guys. <laughs> but in this game, when I play it, I'm like, I want to mindlessly hack down a million bad guys. So I don't know <laughs> what, what is, what the difference is, but it was, I, it gave me more of an appreciation of Dynasty Warriors. I'll say that, even though the gameplay is very, very different. Just that idea of a trillion bad guys coming at you, and you're and you're and you are mowing them all down is uh, that's kind of the similarity that they have. So that was fun. And then lately, I've actually gotten kind of hooked on Halo Infinite. It's the first Halo game that I've played since Halo Two originally came out. I have I generally don't play first person shooters almost at all. If I do, it's usually because there's something kind of unique or different about it. But the uh, the multiplayer kind of got me sucked into this. Somebody kind of re- recommended I play it. And I was like, well, multiplayer is free. I'll, I'll just give it a shot. I haven't, it'll be fun to revisit Halo. I feel, I feel like they nailed the gameplay. It feels exactly what I, what I remember Halo 2 being. It feels exactly that and then modernized just to where everything looks a little bit better and feels a little bit better. 
again, I'm only playing multiplayer. I don't. I really don't care about the campaign. I'm. I, I'm not planning on ever playing that. But uh, I've been playing a ton of of uh, Halo Infinite multiplayer, and it's if if you've ever liked a Halo game, I recommend you at least just check it out. Again, it's it's free to play, and uh, it's uh, for me. It's been it's been really really fun getting back and I, I feel like the there's there's a lot of different weapons. There's there's multiple different match modes, so you're not always just doing deathmatch or capture the flag or something like that. It mixes that up. And also I feel like the, uh, the matches are really well balanced in terms of like how long it takes to play a match. I never, fe- I feel like so- they absolutely nailed the match length where I very rarely feel like a match has been too short or too long. Some they've like really, really hit the sweet spot mm. on, uh, on how long it takes just to play like one match. So that one is has been a huge win for me, in my opinion. But those are the ones that I've been playing. Probably went on a little bit too long about them. No, you're good. Um, are you to it? I'm sure you are. anybody Anybody at, by by this point is. Uh, so before we go, a few housekeeping things, real quick. Our game of the quarter is Final Fantasy VIII. Unfortunately, <laughs> Jay, yes. Unfortunately, Jay and I will both be playing that. And if you're not familiar with Game of the Quarter, we encourage anybody else who wants to to also play it and write in their thoughts for that episode. I'm looking at my calendar right now. It looks like, theoretically, the next time we record will be February 27th. The next time after that would be March 20th. So, tentatively, sometime around March 20th is when we will record the episode in which we talk about Final Fantasy VIII. That's two episodes from now. So, first off, Jay, that's two episodes from now. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Yep. Uh, although I'm sure you're not going to put as nearly as much time into it as I am. I'm, 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 since I'm playing through all the Final Fantasy games, I have this masochistic desire, I guess, to to actually finish the whole thing. I doubt you're going. I doubt you're planning on playing the whole game, right? You're probably just going to get a well, refresher. I- you, oh, you think there might be a chance? Yeah, well, I'll give it a shot. I'm not going to make any promises. Sure, I'll no, give it yeah, a shot. Like, not. I'm going to play it. If I can play through a decent amount of it, I will. If I can finish it, great. If I get bored in two hours, then, well, so be it. Yeah. So, Jay's going to play however much he can endure. I am going to play through the whole thing. But that is to say, if you want to start, if you want to get in on it and send us your thoughts, probably now is a, start, is a time, or, or soon is a time to uh, start playing it, because it'll, well... I say that, I say soon. You have almost two months, so you have time to wait, but it's two episodes from now. Just keep that in mind. Um, as I said also, we are going to be interviewing Paul Morgan Stetler sometime soon, sometime before the next episode, uh, unless our plans just don't work out as we thought. So if you have any questions for him, please send them to us. Um, mail us anything else you want to as well. Mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. I am at King Octavius. You can follow us at at, at Class Gamescast on Twitter. Uh, you can follow. Please leave us reviews on iTunes. Tell all your friends about us. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I recently released my second uh, track. This is under the the music name that I use is Robot Octopus. So if you want to find my stuff, you can go to robotoctopus.bandcamp.com. Y'all can you can also just search for Robot Octopus on Spotify. I think I'm also on the usual stuff like iTunes and Amazon music and all that kind of stuff. But those are, I know that Spotify and Bandcamp are kind of like the two main, main places that people 
like to find this stuff. So that's how you can find me there. And as, as soon as we finish the outro for this, I, as I said, I think I'm just going to just tack on the, the new song to, uh, to the end of this episode. So if you care to listen to it, it'll be there. And if you want to listen to any more, uh, like as in my first song or listen to this one some more, then, uh, you can check me out on those other places. But, uh, aside from that, that's going to do it for this episode. Jay, thank you as always. It's been fun. Yeah. Likewise. And, uh, if you don't have anything else to say, then I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. And, uh, thank you for listening and we'll see y'all in about three weeks. Take care, everybody. While there is no way of knowing if this object is something capable of having intentions or what those intentions could be, our best minds have determined that we should assume it is coming towards Earth.
patience to get where they're going. Well, boys and girls, Tribal T1 is finished. 